hands and bless his holy name. Jesus, the rock of our salvation, our strong tower, our healer and our redeemer, our deliverer. Hallelujah. Our peace, our sustainer. Father, we thank you and we magnify your name for you alone are God Almighty and there is none like you. We exalt you. We lift you up. We praise your holy name for there is nothing that can stand in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a strong tower. It is the name that's above every name and there is nothing that can prevail against it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory be to God forever. Hallelujah. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. The one that overcame death. The one that overcame sickness, disease. Hallelujah. The one that overcame fear and doubt. The one that overcame heartbreak and disappointment and dismay. The one that overcame the grave, hell, and damnation. The one that overcame whatever you are going through. His name is Jesus, and there is no greater name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Father, I thank you. The table has been set. And we pull up now to eat the meal of your word. And as we do, I thank you that it is nourishment to our mind, body, and soul. And as a result of your word going forth, it will accomplish and minister to the hearts of your people. Many being one to that great name of Jesus. Many rededicating to that great name, Jesus. And many even following his instruction to be planted in a church. So, Father, we give you the glory, honor, and praise for the deliverance, healing, redemption, comfort, peace. Whatever it is that you provide for each individual here, only you are able to minister here and beyond by the power of your Holy Spirit and in your powerful name. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. You all give an air high five, an elbow to your neighbor. Tell them I'm glad to see you on this fine Sunday. You can have a seat as you are. Draw your attention to this next video. Happy Mother's Day. We'd like to shout out Miss Michelle, AKA our mom. Happy Mother's Day, we love you. And to honor you, we'd like to acknowledge your quality for every letter of your name. Matchless, impeccable, classy, humble, eloquent, lavish, lovely, eminent. And I'm sure by now you're probably tearing up, so I'll end here and we'd like to say again that we love you, we appreciate everything you do for us. Happy Mother's Day to the best mother in the world. We love you. Hi, this is John. I'm with my son, Joseph. We have a message for Aliti. Go ahead, son. I, I love, love you, Mommy. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. All right. Forgive me for having some... some um, mic difficulties on this morning all right amen so we are 
It's going to be kind of raw for me on this morning. Is that okay? If I just bear it all on this morning, praise God. So, you know, let's open, let's start by, um, you know, we're celebrating Mother's Day. And I wanted those videos to be shown because this is a time where we give all of a, a lot more attention to our moms. And we celebrate them. And, you know, oftentimes, like I was saying earlier, oft sometimes it's, 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 it's kind of hard for some mothers to really embrace the celebration because of whatever may have happened. And, you know, as we celebrate moms, I'm, I'm often brought back to that womb, that womb that nurtures life, that womb and that body that sacrifices itself to give life to another being. And regardless of what may have happened, you know, uh, you know, some people have miscarried, um, some people aborted, um, some people had stillbirth. But the part, the part that you have to remember and celebrate is that you were able to incubate life. And the enemy's plan was to still kill and destroy that life, whether it's a decision of yours or not. And so sometimes that womb, in some cases, has been a tomb. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. In Psalms 57, verse 7 through 11 in the message, this is David. Let me set up the story. David is in the cave, and he's running for his life because King Saul is after him. David. God's man, the one that God said is a man after my own heart, the one that God anointed at the age of 17 to one day become king of Israel. He is now in the cave hiding with a few of his men because Saul is on the hunt for him, and he needs some rest. So he hides deep into this cave against a wall, and as he is hiding, he says this, I'm ready, God, so ready ready from head to toe, ready to sing, ready to raise a tune. Wake up, soul. Wake up, heart. Wake up, loot. Wake up, you sleepyhead son. I'm thanking you, God, out loud in the streets, singing your praises in town and country. The deeper your love, the higher it goes. Every cloud is a flag to your faithfulness. Soar high in the skies, oh God, cover the whole earth with your glory. He is making this proclamation while he is on the run, while he is in the hunt, while he is hiding. He says, Father God, I will praise your holy name. And the higher your love goes, the higher my praise will go. Amen. I don't know what you came to do. But I live to praise the Lord. Amen. So mind you, David, who is on this hunt, like I said, he is in, who is in this, who is the the the, the the, 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 the object of this hunt. And I'm not talking about two or three men being after him. I'm talking about a whole army. Scripture says in this case, there are 3,000 men with Saul looking for him. And while he's in this cave, he has some people that's for him, as well as there are some people that's for Saul. But how many of you know the numbers of people for Saul far outnumbered the number of people for David? And of course, you know, some of these people heard the prophecy that David will be king. They heard the prophecy that God will deal with and destroy Saul, right? 
So, of course, when he's in this cave, put yourself in this situation. He's saying, these guys are telling him, David, here's your chance. Because Saul creeps up in the cave to take a nap. Right? Saul is tired of looking for David. And he just happens upon the very same cave that David is in. And they become aware that, oh, that is Saul, King Saul. Like, for real, God brought him right into our trap. We have an opportunity. And they are telling David, man, we are tired of this hunt. We are tired of running. We with you, man. We believe God. Let's get him. Now is the time. Now is the opportunity. Let's seize him. Let's kill him. Let's prematurely take your throne. Samuel, 1 Samuel 24, in verses 7 through 8 and verse 11 in the New Living Translation, it says, So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord, the king! And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him, still remaining humble. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. So you got to know, beloved, that not every good opportunity or seemingly good opportunity is your opportunity. And you cannot advance or prematurely seize the plan of God in your life, though his destiny for your life is sure. And you just got to know that sometimes there are situations that will present itself before you just so, you that you can, just so that you can build character and really stand firm in what he has placed you and called you to do. David is in the cave, and as he is in this cave, he has an opportunity, and he has a decision to make. Is this cave going to be my tomb? Or is this cave going to be my womb? Because, see, the two are alike. The two are alike. When you think about, you know, in ministry, I'll call it fortunate, although the circumstances are unfortunate. But I've had the pleasure to serve many a people down to their dying day. And I've seen what sickness and disease looks like. I've seen what that body goes through. I've seen that spirit leave that body. And it's dark. And it's painful. And it's unknowing. You don't know what moment might be that last. But much like birth, and though, it's with, and though it's with great anticipation, that birthing process for you mothers who gave birth is confusing. You feel that first pain, you think it's about to be over with within the hour, and then 24 hours later, some of you have still been in labor. It's painful. It's painful. And when that baby is coming down that chute, it's dark. And as soon as that baby comes out of that womb, that birth canal, it's an emergency. Right? David had a decision to make in that moment. 
I can kill Saul, which would have been the beginning of his dying process for his destiny. Or he can do what he did and honor Saul to preserve his life. Now, when he cut the hem of, that, of, of his robe, his, the scripture says earlier in that same chapter that his heart pricked him. Note this, that the smallest things can be the seed of something worse. Never underestimate the small things. Scripture says that it's a, in Song of Solomon that it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. How many of you had somebody that just kept doing the same old thing over and over and it got on your nerves to the point that you didn't want to be nowhere near them? Husbands, wives, some of you know you had to leave the house for a little while because they just got on your last nerve. It wasn't nothing big. They just kept not pushing that chair up underneath the table. <laughs> Amen. And finally, you had, you, you just, it was that day where you were like, okay, I'm done. I need to go for a walk. Amen. Now, you might be facing, and understand this, that cave might not be any something bad. Sometimes that cave can be victorious. Some of us hang on to victories that should have, we should have allowed to die so that we can birth out a new victory. But some of us hang on to pain, heartache, distress, and we need to kill it so that we can birth out God's plan and walk in God's plan for, his life, for our lives. So I'm going to get broad and transparent with you, okay? These things that you see up here are implements of my cave experience. See, what a lot of you don't know, you've seen me walking around here, I'm all of a sudden wearing flats, because y'all pay attention to what I'm wearing. And you see me walking around with a pillow. A couple of people bring our little step stool. And, so some, and, and, and some of you uh, have prayed for me, praise God, knew that something was unlike me. And so a lot of you have reached out to me and ministered to me and encouraged me. And I appreciate that. But see, what I found in my cave experience, because there's things you will learn about yourself in that cave experience that can take you to the tomb. Or if you allow it, God can birth out something and, uh, through, through a womb. And so what I learned in my cave experience that I can be very, very prideful. Ministry has made me prideful. I allowed ministry, let me put it like that, to be, make me prideful. Didn't think that about myself at all. Because, you know, I, I, I'll tell on myself in a minute, right? But I realized that I am sometimes overly concerned about the opinions of others that I might not be the pillar of faith that I proclaim myself to be. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit. See, the, I said these are implements. See, a lot of you gave me birthday gifts. Thank you for everybody that gave me birthday gifts back in March. You, uh, you, 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 some of you gave me gifts, and I don't even know who you are because the tags were gone by the time I got the gift. But thank you for every birthday gift. The band blessed my soul. Uh, the staff, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to say that publicly. If you are online and you sent me a thank you, a uh, shout out, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you, and I appreciate the thoughtfulness. But see, most of the month of March, I was in and out the hospital, and I was in my cave. 
See, uh, December, I started having some low back pain. And you know, I'm athletic. So I, I, I martial arts, between martial arts, swimming, everything else that I do, a few falls at the Kennesaw Mountain and on the trails and stuff, I'm figuring low back pain, that's just what we go through. What do we do? Me and my girlfriend, we both complain about the same thing. Keisha's like, we need to stretch. Let's go looking for stretch classes and everything, going to the chiropractic and everything. And the pain just persisted. So January, I go to urgent care because I got to a point where I could barely walk. And I go to urgent care, and they take x-rays, and they're like, oh, herniated disc, and they give me drugs, okay? And so they give me drugs, and then they say, if the pain continues to persist, come back, we'll do an MRI. Come back, and they do it, and the pain persisted. What did they do? Give me more drugs. And then when the, uh, so then look, I do the MRI, and my husband and I, you know, I had just gotten, um, I went into the hospital, uh, because of the pain, because they're trying to calm the pain down, and so that's when they give me more drugs. And then I said, I'm not spending my birthday, which would have been on a Friday, March 5th, in the hospital. You let me out tonight. So Thursday night, uh, March 4th, at 10 o'clock at night, my husband's up there picking me up. And what do we do on March 5th? We fly to California to honor my spiritual father, Apostle Frederick K.C. Price. We were there for his celebration of life services, right? Fly back on Sunday because according to the uh, MRI and, uh, I mean, the, yeah, the MRI, there's, you know, uh, just, we need to do some correction, come back, for, oh, the, oh they, th they found a little spot on my spine, and they say, come back, we just do a little, it's just a little cyst on your spine, do some radiation therapy in five days, you'll be fine. So I, we fly back on Sunday, because Monday I'm supposed to start radiation therapy. And when I start that, on my way, literally, on my way to radiation therapy, the doctor calls and says, that spot on your spine is not the cyst that we thought. It's a tumor. And we need you to get to the hospital right away. And so I go to the, uh, and they, oh, they tell me that um, it's something called chordoma. It is cancerous. And so, mind you, when you saw me up here ministering late January, February, and even some parts of March, uh, they've given me every drug. In this bag is meth uh, garbapentin, methacarbonyl, oxy, Percocet, Vicodin, morphine, steroids. It's, it was so much drugs that they gave me that they said, hey, because you are a virgin to narcotics and substance, you might OD. So in case you make a mistake in OD, here's some Narcan. So when you all saw me ministering up here, most cases on a Sunday, I had to take one of these here pieces of pills just so I can get through a Sunday morning in my heels. You never know what someone is going through. Which is why your kindness is necessary and sometimes a seed to someone undeserving because you don't know what they're dealing with. So I had just enough sense in me to do the service, but I'm a little high. Now I'm a little high. How do you know? Because once that stuff wear off, what do you want to do? I go home and go straight to sleep. But listen to this. The pain can be so bad, so excruciating, that you are willing to keep taking the drug just so you can function, just so you can think. Mind you, I'm physical. 
I'm kinetic. I'm used to moving. I don't sit still well. So I needed Percocet just to keep on going. I needed an Oxy just to keep on going. Then, so that I can get some rest, I needed some morphine just so I can keep on going. So I can sleep peacefully, right? So Cordoma, you hear this thing called Cordoma. What's Cordoma? And what I found out was that because, you know, instantly what the flesh will do is make you think, what did I do or how did I mess up? What did I miss in my dietary regimen, in my exercise, and what I do? And you, you, all, all, you know, as righteous as I know that God has made me by his blood and by his name and by his word, that thought still came. If I could just be transparent, none of y'all went through that, I know. And I'm thinking to myself, what happened? And then, you know, it's my inclination to research. That's just what I do. I, I like knowing. And so I researched and I found out that Cordoma started when I was an embryo. It's so rare that only six places in the country treats it. And one of those happened to be in Georgia just to, starting two years ago. So there's only one place in this state that will treat it six places in the country. What, it, what, what, what I learned was that Cordoma, when you're an embryo, you have a temporary spinal cord called a norticord. And that norticord is supposed to dissolve as your spinal cord develops. And as your spinal cord develops, if all those cells don't dissolve, they sort of rest in your spine or in your cervix, cervical area, somewhere along your spinal cord, your um, vertebrae, um, whether it's cervical, sacral, or lumbar, and just like letting bad fruit sit on a counter for too long, it goes bad, turns cancerous, and grows a tumor. Now mind you, this tumor is about, is a little smaller than the size of a pea. But when it's in your vertebrae, something that small can cripple you. Okay? So then what happened was, because I was getting to a place where I could not function, and I didn't want to keep taking these drugs, I was like, do what you got to do. So I'm in surgery, back surgery. And they put in a rod, and rods and screws in my back, something that I didn't think I would ever have to do. Now let me tell you, there was a temptation to be addicted. And I had to be very intentional about not being addicted. But the hardest time to resist that temptation started to be on Sunday mornings. Why? Because of you. Because of the people. I was tempted to be addicted so that I could keep my face, keep my smile, keep my posture, and keep my walk. And then I had to evaluate myself because see, this is what happened. I'm about to tell him my husband. I love him. My husband, you know, when I got out of surgery, I could, you know, I needed this to walk. When I came home from surgery, I couldn't make it to the toilet sometimes when I got out of bed. So this was my bathroom. And it's clean now. Don't worry, it's clean now. <laughs> and my husband was so precious, he would get up in the morning and take it and, and do what needs to be done and clean it out and make sure that I was okay. And I started to have an expectation from my husband. 
And then one day my daughter came home and I don't know what happened, but I went in to tell him something, something was going on with our alarm system and he snapped at me. He did, he, he, he had an attitude, he was nasty too. Now I can barely walk. I'm sleeping with all types of posture pillows and cushions and, and he nasty. And how many of you know, he, you know, he's a man, he's an alpha male. He did not apologize. He was not trying to be empathetic in my moment. And I was hurt. I was crushed because I'm like, I'm going through all this and I'm just trying to tell you something and you snapped at me? What did I do? And it was in that moment that I realized that I was in a cave. I was in a, a place that if I'm not careful, can get darker and darker instead of getting lighter and lighter. Because all types of crazy thoughts come into your mind. I mean, how many of you know when you, and, and some of you are going through worse than what I've gone through, so this is no glory to what has happened, but I'm just letting you know that, hey, the enemy does not pick and choose who he wants and who, he wants everybody. And some of you felt badly because Pastor Greg would get up here and say, what's this called, Corona won't. Listen, if, you call, if Corona did come knocking at your door and maybe you had it, if you're still here, you overcame it. Praise God. And if you have a loved one that had that diagnosis and may not have lived this day to see this day, because my spiritual dad, listen, there's nobody with a greater faith, as far as I know, than Frederick K.C. Price. And I, when, I finally talk, when I talk to Mama Betty, she, you know, she calls me precious. She might call everybody precious, but I choose to believe that I'm the only one she calls precious. <laughs> precious, dad, you know, Corona didn't take him out. He just received it as his ticket to get out. And let me tell you, Mama Betty is fine. She was more concerned about her kids and grandkids, but Mama Betty was like, listen, this is what we live for. We live for the day to get to heaven. So I am good. We just had to settle a lot of stuff. She was more concerned. She seemed to be more concerned about getting her thank you cards out to everybody. But she said, no, Corona didn't take him out. He just received it as his ticket to get out. And we probably hung on to him too long, longer than he wanted to be hung on to. Amen. So listen, let me tell you about three things that I learned that can be easy and sneaky addictions if you're not careful. I don't care if you're coming from a place of the tomb or the womb. I don't care if it's victory or chaos. I don't care if it's celebration or heartache. I don't care if it's great times of prosperity or dismal, dismal circumstances. There are three things that you have to be acutely sensitive to because it can and will compromise your faith. Number one, one thing that you have to be careful, you know what? Praise God. One thing that you have to be careful to not be addicted to is acceptance. What is acceptance? Needing people's consent, okay, approval, or answer. And there's two things you got to be careful to be conscious about in your acceptance. People, needing acceptance from people, and needing acceptance in information. People, 
and information. See, people all too often expect people, and that's where I found myself in this pride situation. I didn't want to tell people what was going on with me because I didn't want to hear anybody saying anything different than what I had to say. I didn't want anybody, as if somebody else's declaration or proclamation over me can overcome my faith. I gave people too much credit. Now, there was, a, there was my circle of seven. There was a few people that knew. My children just found out the whole story on Friday. But this has been going on since January, right? We got to be careful that, you know, that, that, that there's a balance here. I, I, said that, uh, I said earlier that I found out that I, 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 have, I did succumb to pride. But see, there's a balance here because you got a group of people that are way over here. I don't want nobody to know. I don't know what's going on. I don't want, uh, and, and so they're in this here seclusion place. But then you got people over on this side that's like, tell everybody because. I want everybody to know. Tell the church. Put it on Facebook. Put it on. You got this, this polar span of the way people behave, but you have to find yourself someone, somewhere in the middle as the Spirit leads you. Can the Spirit lead you in sickness and disease? Yes. Can, is the Spirit still there to lead you in celebration and victory? Yes. Can the Spirit lead you in heartache and turmoil? Yes. Can the Spirit still lead you in promotion and, and, and advance? Yes. See, all too often, we, you know, when people don't assume the same position that we assume, we all of a sudden think that they're diminishing our faith, and they're not. Psalms 118, 8 and 9 in the Passion says, Lord, it's, too much, it's much better to trust in you to save me than to put my confidence in someone else. Yes, it is so much better to trust in the Lord to save me than to put my confidence in celebrities. In other words, that which is popular. Now, when you grow up in faith circles, you know, I, I didn't grow up in it, but I've been around, I've been in ministry for 23 years since I married him. <laughs> I married ministry, right? And I, a lot of it, I was introduced to stuff too fast, too soon, because I was like, y'all, some of y'all crazy. It just ain't that deep. <laughs> it just ain't that deep. God is with us all the time, so we're going to be all right. You know, but not everybody thought like me. But it's so easy to make, think people are supposed to think like you. So when they don't think like you, now all of a sudden you're in some kind of way. And then there's information, the challenge of what you may accept. See, they gave me this here diagnosis. But how many of you know that, that I can acknowledge it, but I don't have to receive it? There's nothing wrong with acknowledging, yes, I was diagnosed with, cor uh, uh, you know what, I keep one, corona. I was diagnosed with chordoma. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was diagnosed with whatever the case may be. There's an acknowledgement that's necessary. But doesn't mean that you have to receive it. Receiving it is, I have. I got. No, you don't want it, so why are you going to say you, you got it? Why do I say this? Sometimes people can rest in their diagnosis. I have a loved one that's been diagnosed with diabetes. And every time you turn around, he will use diabetes as an excuse to get what he wants. But yet want to be, say, I want to be healed of diabetes. Now, he's moving towards being healed of diabetes, but because he's so used to resting in that diagnosis, 
he continues on with certain medicines that they said that he don't even need to take. So what did they do? They just minimized it. We could be so used to, our to that diagnosis, whatever it may be, that we use it as a crutch to get what we want, i.e. acceptance. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says, Overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of the Jesus, the anointed one. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. Listen, I wanted my husband to, you know, one night, what I think this startled him. I know it startled him because he was like frozen. I was in so much pain, I was writhing in pain. That was, and then every time my body cut up, it just happened to be on a Saturday night or something, didn't it? I'm writhing in pain. I am on the ground, and he's like, okay, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I, you know, I, I, I was so much pain. He, he, he was like, what do you want me to do? And uh, I know my husband is a praying man, so I'm thinking, though I didn't say it, lay your hands on my back and tell the devil to come out. You know? Oh, he didn't do it. <laughs> Finally, I said, babe, take me to the hospital now. And he got up and did what needed to be done. <laughs> and on the way there, I thought you should have gone to the hospital. I, <laughs> I love my baby. But no, real quickly. And so um, the next thing that we have to be careful to um, not be addicted to is affirmation affirmation you know I'm not that person that needs to be cheered up all the time but then there are some people that are addicted to it and affirmation is necessary sometimes it is just like acceptance sometimes it's necessary but affirmation should not be something in which we depend upon Luke chapter uh, what is affirmation words of assertion validation pronouncement or approval listen you have to know that you are approved and validated by God first and what I learned in that moment when I was talking about my husband and and he snapped at me I learned that not even my husband can give me everything that I want in the moments that I want it as much as I know he loves me as much as I know he'll do anything I ask for him and every moment that I need something I cannot look to him to be my validation I can't look to him to cheer me up in that moment. I can't look to him to, to do what I think needs to be done. In, in other words, there's things that I may think needs to be done that only Holy Spirit knows that needs to be done. And I found out in my cave experience that if I allow those, those thoughts to take over, I could destroy my marriage. If I allow those thoughts, because I could have responded. And I could have went somewhere that we did, just didn't because the thoughts were stupid, rampant, and abundant. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just confessing. I was thinking some stupid, like some of you, I don't want to say it because I'd be ashamed of myself. <laughs> this is a woman filled with the Holy Spirit, daily prayer and word life, and that with a burning fire, saved and saved to the uttermost, thinking some crazy stuff. And if I would have accepted and taken those, his response, his lack of affirmation in that moment, I could have killed my marriage. Because I would, I, going on attack is not a healthy way to win. 
Luke chapter 21, 34 in the passage says, be careful that you never allow your hearts to grow cold. Remain passionate and free from anxiety and the worries of this life. Then you will not be caught off guard by what happens. Don't let me come and find you drunk and careless and living like any, everyone else. See, a lot of us would succumb to the emotions of what we're going through. Even in our victories, when we don't get what we think we should get in our victories, didn't you see what I just did? Didn't you see how much I accomplished? I pay the bills up in here. It's my income that makes sure that this roof is on the, over your head. Everything you got is a result of what I do. Mothers, we are the most underappreciated people out there. Mothers, teachers. And I promise you, during this COVID season, if you had kids that you had to tutor while working, your husband should step up to appreciate you because in most cases, it was mama that had to figure out school, care, and still work. And not all of them were the single moms. A lot of married moms, the husband was like, I can't help them do that new math. <laughs> Number three, attention. Attention, the notice, concern, recognition, or special treatment of others. Listen, sometimes you could not want any attention, and sometimes we could want too much attention. And attention is very addictive. It is very addictive. Even in the smallest amounts, it is very addictive. Though I don't seek attention, when I get it, I love it. I love it. It feel good when people care for me. It feel good when people looking out for me. It felt good when Minister Di called and was like, I'm bringing you some food. It felt good when even Alethe, I'm bringing you some food. It felt good when people would call and say, okay, Tonette said, I will be there every day if you need me. You just call me and let me know because I live right down the street. It felt good. It felt good when my friends was like, I need an update. It felt good when my husband says, what do you need me to do? It felt good when he was washing dishes. It felt good. It felt real good. But how many you know that there is just one decision that I can make to manipulate the whole situation that can destroy my relationships, i.e. using them? Using my condition to use other people. And it's very subtle because people, I'm an empath by nature. I am an empathetic person by nature. I will get in the dirt with you. Y'all say, y'all, I cry a lot because I, I cry because I feel, when I look out of some of your faces, I know your story. And so when I'm saying certain things, I know that it's penetrating you right where you are. And I'm feeling what you're feeling. That's just me. That's just how I'm wired. So I know that there are people around me that are just empathetic and they're just going to reach out and care for me. And honey, let me tell you, I didn't, if I didn't want to, I didn't have to cook for the last three months if I didn't want to. It was either Joel Greg was going to buy it or, my, or, or the staff and the team or some of you was going to bring it. But is that healthy? No, because then I would have never done the movement that I needed to do. This affects your body. I never would have done the movement that I needed to do. I never would have walked into necessity as I needed to walk into. I never would have been forced to endure a little bit of pain to get to a little bit of discomfort to get to a whole lot of strength. My doctor told me the more movement you do, the better you'll be. 
So if I would have relied on, now mind you, the, 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 the empathy and the service of others, it would have kept me in my bed. Y'all would have seen me, never mind the pillow, y'all would have seen me coming in here like this. Now some people have conditions that this is necessary, and I get it. But don't allow it, even if it looks like it may be permanent, strive for it to not be existent. So let me end with this real quick. You know, so I encourage you to ask yourself, what in your life is a tomb that needs to die and be gone? But what may look like something, what's something in your life that may look like it's dying, but it's only an opportunity to be revived and to be a womb? Your marriage. Your marriage may look like it's dying, but it may be an opportunity for you to develop character, for you to make some changes, to, for you to make some adaptation, for you to finally communicate for real and birth out something new. What is it? What is it? Hear this, Romans chapter 10, I couldn't say it no better. 9 through 13, the Passion Trance, they said, what is God's living message? It is revelation of faith for salvation, which is a message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. The heart that believes in him receives the gift of righteousness of God, and then the mouth gives thanks to salvation. For the scriptures encourage us with these words. Everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. He will never be disappointed. If you believe in him, you will never be disappointed. Not if I believe in Joel Gregory will I be disappointed. Not if I believe in Tonette will I be disappointed. Not if I believe in Keisha will I be disappointed. Not will I be, if I believe in Diana, if I'll be disappointed. He says, because they will disappoint me. I promise you, but when my, when my faith is steeped in who Jesus is, they are now supplements to his blessing. And he says, in that, you will never be disappointed. All too often, we place too much confidence in the need of attention and affirmation and acceptance from other people when God says, I got you. And I had to make a decision in those moments, am I going to be upset and disappointed by my condition or am I going to trust and believe him? And just like David in that, in that cave, David had a destiny to walk out. And it took him 13 years to walk it out. Doggone if he could survive 13 years. I, with the blood and the name and the word of Jesus, can make it 13 weeks. And so he goes on to say, for the scriptures encourage us with these words. Everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. So then faith eliminates the distinction between anybody. And he, is enough, he has enough treasures to lavish generously upon all who call upon him. When I call on that great name, Jesus, Jesus, amen. amen. Yeah. We have the victory. And it's so true, it ends in verse 13. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, Yahweh, will be rescued and experience new life. So where are you in your situation? Where are you in your victory? Where are you in your chaos? Where are you in your heartbreak? Where are you in your celebrations? Many people are graduating right now, and it's funny to me that they will call graduation ceremonies a commencement ceremonies. Why? Because it's the end of graduate, it's the end of high school. But you know what? Somebody chose to celebrate the beginning of something new, the beginning of new life, the beginning of young adulthood. Many of you remember back when in 2014, when, we, when Linked Up Church was starting. The reality is in 2013, we were fired. We were fired from ministry. It happens. 
No fault. I'm not blaming anybody. We didn't do anything, but it was a situation. We were in the cave. My husband was deeper in the cave than I was because I was like, deuces. But nevertheless, my husband was crushed because there was relationship there. And he was, we were in the cave because wherever he is, I am too. And we could have allowed that cave experience to be an opportunity to kill and slay Saul. We had plenty of things to say. We had plenty of defenses. We had plenty of rebuttals. But we chose to keep our mouth shut. And guess what? Many of you carried us through to the promised land. Many of you carried us through to that destiny. Many of you carried us to where we are here right now, able to do what we do in the midst of a pandemic. And one of the first services that we did was we, we sang a song. He turned it. Because that's exactly what you have to receive when you're dealing with a womb or a tomb situation. Allow God to turn your circumstances to victory because that's who he said he is. That's what he said he'll do. Music department, come on now. So, you know, Sister Jan, one of the people that was checking up on me all the time, she was encouraging me and she was telling me to be patient because I was like, healing, you got to come now. I, I still have to go some ways, but praise God, how many of you know I don't have to do this no more? This, the tag is still on it because I never used it. And this was gone because I couldn't stand it. I only saved it for today, but I'm going to donate it to somebody somewhere. Because I mean, you know, this is not something that I want to be a reminder in my house. Amen. But I declare today, right now, that this too will turn to God's glory. And even right now, he's turning it to his glory. I am healed. I am redeemed. I am delivered. I am saved in the name of Jesus. Let's celebrate because we said we was going to dance. Amen. We're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate every mother. We're going to celebrate every situation. We're going to celebrate whatever that tomb looks like. We're going to celebrate it to be a womb. So whatever it looks like, I don't care how dismal it might be. Sometimes the worse the situation, the greater the victory. And it might take you 13 days. It might take you 13 years to get there. But never believe that God is faithful.